Hey everybody, surprise. I'm sure you're thinking that uh, this is not the next episode of Enterprise or whatever. We're up to the episode after Fusion, but that's not going to be happening right now. What is the episode after Fusion? Can anyone tell me what the next episode after Enterprise for Fusion is? Steve's our trivia meister. Oh, yeah. no, top of my head. <laughs> Post-fusion. <laughs> we're, we're, we're off to a good start. We're not doing the next episode of Enterprise. I'm instead going to be talking to Trek Companion, who is another Star Trek podcast that uh, was influential on me when I started five years ago, except these guys have been going for 10 years now. So we have, uh, we've gotten together to sort of see where our lives went wrong and talk about things that could have been and how things could have been better and everything like that. But it's mostly going to be a um, celebration of eh, maybe a celebration. It'll be something about Star Trek and something about podcasting. We'll talk about the highs and the lows and everything in between. And so I'm going to say hello to Brian. Brian, how are you? Hi, I'm great. And then we're going to say hi to Adam. Adam, how are you? Good. Good. Thank you. And then finally, Steve. Steve, how are you? Good. Good. Thank you. How do you guys want to start about this? Do you, do you, do you want to, do you want to uh, tell me why, why podcasting and why Star Trek? Maybe you can just sort of go around the, uh, go around the table and we can take it from there. But why, why did you start the show? Why Star Trek? Why, why is it the perfect blend that's uh, kept you going for 10 years at this point? Yeah, I, I can say, uh, Brian here, that um, I don't know that we thought we would actually complete this. You know, when we started, um, I remember very clearly – yeah, 2010. Uh, I I felt like rewatching DS9. I was a guy that listened to a ton of podcasts, and podcasts are I'm like in 2010 they were way bigger than they were say in 2005. But compared to today, I mean today you know it's big business, and it wasn't that in 2010. But I listened to so many podcasts, and just sometime one time it just dawned on me like why don't I just do one? And I I wanted to rewatch DS9, uh, and I missed my buddy. Steve, who had was in Kansas City. I grew up in you know Missouri, and then I went to Texas for a decade, and then I ended up in Los Angeles. So I went to high school with Steve, and you know when you move apart, it's hard to it's, you you want to find an excuse to talk with each other, but you're busy. Uh, I went to college in Texas with Adam, and Adam ended up in Chicago. So it was just this I don't know. It just kind of came together. I was like, wait, this is the perfect idea. We'll ha- we'll be able to talk, and but even when we started. Um, I don't think we thought we would actually get through 700 plus episodes of Star Trek that all existed at the time we started our podcast. Um, I I didn't even know if we'd get through the first season of DS9. I remember we had an episode, was it the second or third podcast, where we had to re-record it like four oh, times yeah. because oh, it, just, yeah. it failed. We just had, we didn't know what we were doing. We had problems every time. And so we were so close to just stopping, I feel like. But we kept going. It's hard for me to. I, I went back and listened to like the first, the first few episodes. I don't even think we had microphones. They they're hard to listen to, and I sh- I shudder if somebody ever tries to listen to our podcast and starts off with that, and then yeah. thinks, oh god, these guys are terrible. <laughs> Can't listen to this. But anyway, hey, it, it gets better. Um, maybe, maybe we should redo the first season of DS9. No, that's that's the uh, the cycle. Once you guys are done, you have to repeat the process. Oh, you start over. So much that you're like, well, I actually know how to record uh, audio at this point, so maybe I'll try to do something different and get some different thoughts about it. But it is a um, it's like a just like a learning process. Like it it took it took me the entirety of TNG TOS and then some of DS9 before we really sort of figured out what the hell we were going to do. And uh, my show is obviously a little bit different. We didn't have, um, I didn't have a set ho- guest host for the first couple of years or whatever. So it was sort of a rotating cast of characters. And then Clay kind of settled in as the, uh, the permanent guest host. But 
yeah, to get back to you guys, I mean, like Adam, um, why Star Trek? I suppose. Why, why do you think, why do you think Star Trek was able to uh, survive? Because I always talk with Clay about this, how some shows can do this and some shows couldn't have a podcast that has 700, whatever episodes based on it. And Star Trek seems kind of unique in that it can. So uh, I was just wondering what you thought about why Star Trek is actually possible to do this with, as opposed to some other show, which is probably impossible or unlistenable to some other shows to have this done to them. Well, um, I I think that kind of comes down to why we, we, we decided to do the podcast. We wanted to, you know, you know, this kind of all started off as, as fun, but then we kind of, when we kind of got into what we were going to try to do, we were like, is, is Star Trek still relevant? Are these episodes that were made in the sixties, eighties and nineties, are they still relevant um, in their storytelling today? And do, do they still have something to tell us today? And um, that's kind of what we all went back to kind of, kind of discover if they still held that um, same same power and that same grip as they did when they were, you know, when they first came out. And, and to be honest, for the most part, I, and I think Steve and Brian would agree, you know, for the most part, yes, I, I think, you know, the stories that are in each of the series are, are universal and they're human. And that's, what's great about Star Trek. That's why I think the three of us and yourself included really love it. And all the fans out there is because it shows vulnerabilities in, you know, the human condition and it shows the strengths and it, and it tells those stories in a raw, um, emotional and honest ways. And when, when Star Trek's doing that and it does it a lot, it's, it's great. It's great to watch. Now, now there are episodes out there that really fail badly. And, you know, we talked about those as well, but that's kind of why I think I've hung on to Star Trek this long. And I think that's kind of why our, our podcast has lasted throughout all of the episodes because each of the series, has that in it. So I remember, you know, it was really important to me when we started for us to be like really structured. And one of the things that we came up with was, was this idea of always talking about what is this, you know, we always end it with what is this episode about? And I, I remember that came from um, one of the writers on next gen said, whenever they would pitch to Michael Piller, that would always be be his question. He would stop them as they were telling him plot stuff. And he says, you know, don't tell me about the plot. What is it really about? Um, and they talked about it like he had gotten that from Gene Roddenberry. You know, that kind of gives us a little bit of a focus, but I think that's kind of one of the things you're, you're getting at there, Adam, you know? Well, I mean, sure. one of the, uh, what do you think your, what do you think as a podcast, your batting average would be for the episodes being about something? Do you think it's 500? <laughs> do you think it's sub 500 or something? Because if, I feel like a lot like. of your, your ending Voyager ones are kind of like, I... <laughs> This is uh, <laughs> about a journey to the stars, gentlemen. Yeah. We, we should we should have calculated that stat. I guess we could go back. It would be kind of tedious now. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, to uh, to get you into this, would you have been able to do this podcast for 700 episodes of Watch Something if you didn't have a nostalgic factor related into it? Well, I, sp- I suppose so if it was like a job. Or, I mean, you know, if it, it would have felt like a job, though, on the most part. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of things that we can discuss and critique because uh, not always, but a lot. Of, I think a lot of times people who are fans of Star Trek are also fans of um, fans of film and fans of TV and fans of comics or whatever it might be. That's that's there, too. And so they there's I mean, there there are those that are at Star Trek and that's it. But a lot of times it's other, you know, fans of other things as well and other media and so on. So there could be things to talk about, but as, uh, I think as Adam alluded to, Star Trek is so unique in that you, you kind of have this, I mean, certainly it's the only thing where you have this many episodes of something in a, in a canon that's, you know, has a consistent 
usually consistent kind of theme and that you can talk about things like these are, um, you know, morality plays and in some respect and they have something to say. And there's, there's nothing quite like that, at least not consistently. There are shows that do it for a shorter span of time. There are shows that might have more episodes, but they're they're like soap operas or something, right? There's that kind of thing, but there's nothing quite like this. And if you're a fan of it, and it and it being unique as it is, it's it provides a unique opportunity to do this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You get to. Um, I mean, something that's kind of fascinating is uh, outside of Discovery and Picard and everything like that. Like, it is a fairly redundant series over the course of seven hundred. You know, it's like it's not. None of the shows were really transcendently different from each other they once you it's only once you do a podcast about 197 episodes of ds9 that you realize how different it is from tng but if i you know if i were to show tng and ds9 to my wife she would not be able to identify which one is which except for the fact that cisco is a black man and he runs ds9 and stuff like that it's just it's it's funny that so for how similar they are and we're starting to sort of notice this with enterprise and everything um it's remarkable that they actually got the kind of distance they did out of it. And which also, it kind of makes the podcast kind of like a, uh, a practice session where we were talking about earlier, how it like improves with time in terms of audio and stuff, but you also get better at just analyzing what a Star Trek episode is because it never really deviates in any drastic way from what you expect. And you can kind of um, go down the line and figure out which ones are good and which ones you don't like and come away with, like deep, relatively deep thoughts about which episodes of Star Trek you like and what the series is good at. Um, well, it's 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 interesting because you start, you know, you watch the episodes differently, right? Like, I mean, I'm literally taking notes, but I, you know, you're watching it and with a much more critical eye when you're planning to have an analytical discussion about it. You know, it it's it's I've really learned a lot watching them a different way and I've gotten completely different things out of them. And it's, that's really surprised me, I think. Adam, what's the, uh, what's the biggest change? I, I assume what you guys have all, just correct me if I'm wrong, you've all seen the episodes before this, right? Or are there some episodes, are, are there some series that are new? <laughs> I had made it all up, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no there, actually, there was one episode of The Next Generation that I had never seen. Yeah. And I saw it for the first time on Blu-ray. Other than that, yes. But I didn't even know it existed. It was a fluke. But that was that was really amazing. <laughs> that was the uh, that was the saddest part of finishing TNG because I started off with TNG and it was my series. And when it was done, I had this melancholy thing of before I had watched it uh, streaming on or through the Blu-rays or whatever. I had this this binder of burned DVDs because me and my friends when we were younger just bought the whole set and we'd burned copies of them. And I used to just flip through them. I never watched them in order. So it was there was always this magical possibility that maybe there was an episode I had never seen. But it, it was a very melancholy thing when we finished Team oh. It was like, oh, I've definitely seen all the episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go back to um, Adam, I suppose. If, yeah. if something, if, if you've seen these all before, and this uh, run through is kind of fresh in your mind, what's the biggest change about Star Trek, in your opinion, from this watch through for this podcast? What's changed the most, in your opinion, about Star Trek that you used to not think, maybe you had some kind of idealized view of the show or maybe you thought that something was bad and it actually turned out to be good but has it been like a major change for you this time um i think if i think the best way for me to answer that question you know um is to say you know the you know kind of the curtain gets pulled back and you you know you see the wizard back there i i have a better understanding of like you know how television is made you know i work in television not on on shows like star trek or anything like that it's just more localized television so 
it's kind of having the curtain pulled back and seeing how chaotic and um, dysfunctional it is. And, you know, when you read about it and sometimes we talk about it, it's amazing sometimes to me that it, some of the shows even got made, you know, especially if you go back into the 60s with um, the original series, how many how many hours they were working, you know, strip, scripts were, you know, showing up day of. And, you know, I know that happened on a lot of the series. You know, you hear Kate Mulgrew talk about, you know, hey, you know, we'd get rewrites that day of and they're, you know, 12, 16 hour days. So I think. I, at the same time, I, I have a better respect for the work that everybody put into these shows and the long hours. Um, and at the same time, looking at it through the lens of, you know, 2020 and how shows are made today, it, it makes me appreciate the evolution of what we have today. It seems like things are more organized. You know, you see, you know, streaming shows that, you know, they all come out, the, the 13 episodes and, you know, and it's more organized and, and kind of put together. And I think that was built on, and I'm not trying to criticize the earlier television. It's just, you know, you got to build an evolutionary step up. And so those are the kind of the things I've kind of learned about television and how it's made and taking the analytical look at like um, these episodes, how they were written and, and what the, what was going on with selling them and the studios and all that kind of stuff. If TV's evolved, why is uh, Picard so terrible? We'll skip that. We'll get to that later, Brian. <laughs> what is the, um, what's the thing that's changed for you or what did you notice this time around? Well, yeah, you know, talking about watching it with with an analytical eye, you know, watching it with a critical eye, it's it's kind of like what Adam's talking about. I think that it makes you conceptualize the shows differently. Um, you, you start to think of everything more in terms of writing and production. I mean, definitely when I was younger, it, the shows were the main cast. You know, you would go to conventions and those are the people you would see, right? And you would think about the shows in terms of, of really just the cast, but maybe you get older and you start thinking more in terms of writing production, but definitely if you're watching it with a critical eye, that's, that's what it becomes almost entirely about. And you're like, yeah, that cast member, <laughs> that cast member didn't even know what that line was going to be when they showed up. And I mean, this is, it's got, they're, they're just one part of it. They're way, they're, they're way less kind of important than I used to think. No, that's, that's putting it the wrong way. I should say the, the, the director and the editor and the writer and the composer and all these other people, are so much more important than I used to realize. I think that's that's what you start to really feel. Yeah, Steve, any changes for you? You know, I think uh, probably a couple things. One, you know, you, you hopefully you change as a person in two years. You know, you're a different person than when you started something. And when I first started this, I, I had I had never really critiqued something in this way. You know, I mean, I, I don't not that I recall really. And I think I think you get better at it. You you start to learn um, from each time, each season, each episode. Everything goes on. You 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 learn what what it is that makes something good. And you know, I think it's almost like a feedback loop. You know, you, obviously, you go through things in your own life that create a lens in which you see anything, and that's true for these episodes or for anything you watch or say or do. But also, what you what you value in that does feed back into yourself. You know, you, 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 if you, if you respect or value a certain principle that's established in a certain, a certain way that, um, that affects you, that affects you and how you behave in your life and how you affects your creativity and, and how you go through everything. So, um, it's hard to say who changes whom, you know, what changes what, you know, uh, I change, uh, my lens of it changes, the experience of seeing all this changes me again. So it's, I think it's, I think it's a, it's been quite an experience. It's been a really relevant experience in my life. Yeah. It's, um, 
the thing that the thing that's been interesting to me is that it's um when you're younger and you watch them kind of out of order, it just feels fresh all the time. Mm-hmm. Like it feels um it just feel it doesn't have the sort of relentlessness that when you're watching it through and yeah. I say relentlessness in kind of a kind of a good way, kind of a bad way. But you my main takeaway this will sound flippant. I probably sound like I'm down on the series or anything, but it's like, it's just kind of these eye opening things where I'm surprised by how many bad episodes there are. If you would ask younger me <laughs> how many bad episodes of Star Trek there were, I would have said, you know, maybe 5%, <laughs> some, some absurd number like that. And I, we keep a uh, track of these things. And I consider like, we have a one to five scale and three is like an average episode. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of twos and a lot of threes. And it's just like, you end up just going like, wow, there's a lot of these episodes, but your brain is just very good at shutting down uh, the mediocre parts and sticking with the good parts. Yeah, if if you're just flipping channels and you come across an episode of Star Trek and you watch it and, and, you, and you enjoy it, I mean, are, 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 you, con- are you conscious of it being bad uh, if you're not... <laughs> watching it with that critical eye for your podcast right background noise a lot of a lot of tv is background noise for uh which is not a which is not an insult but it's like it's a very different thing to sit there with your eyes you know um clockwork orange pinned open trying as you're trying to make it through another 45 minute episode (laughs) of some of them but they're yeah they're fascinating i mean the for the the good thing that's come across the the good thing that's changed for me is just that it's a um it's kind of a remarkable franchise and just it's breath really like it's just you know star wars is kind of the comparison but star wars is limited like anything that you know there's the clone wars and stuff like that but star wars doesn't have nearly as much screen time as stuff going on even if it has like a disproportionate amount of acclaim and everything like that it's it's just been fascinating to sort of go through these things um we can we can have like a sort of around the table here quick out of all the the shows that were on when you guys started has that, did your favorite change out of all the series or are you still the same one? And what is your favorite series out of these so far? We can start with um, you, would, or Adam, sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, I would, I would kind of, I, I think it's still probably deep space nine. You know, it's sometimes it's deep space nine and still, sometimes it's still next gen. I kind of keep um, the original, original series separate. Um, so it's hard for me to kind of compare, but you know, you were kind of, you were referring to, sorry to kind of go back. You were kind of referring to, yeah, you're right. A lot of the episodes are, are average, but I think going back to kind of what Brian said, you know, it's, it's the characters that we all love. And so if you really love a character, you can sit through a bad hour of television watching, you know, Jane Wayne Kirk game. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But I mean, there are certain, there are episodes that are bad enough, but I think that's really kind of what drives it, drives these series. I mean, you know, we all love each of these characters. I mean, we, we talked about it when we finished up Voyager, even though we kind of thought Voyager was kind of lower on the scale of the other series. We all loved the characters maybe more than some of the other shows. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of, I think that's what kind of drives us and it, it makes up for some of the lackluster episodes, but yeah, DS9, probably DS9, I'm probably on DS9 because it's the last show I haven't, that's the longest I haven't seen. So I kind of, I'm kind of, Itching to kind of walk, go back and check. Yeah, out it was your first, you guys' first one. Uh, yeah. Brian, favorite series has it changed? Well, yeah, when we started, it was DS Nine, and that and that's why we started with DS Nine because I was wanting to rewatch that. Um, but this watch through, you know, original series and next gen are such close seconds. There are times when, um, like DS Nine, I think it, it it holds it back a little bit in that it seems like a show that I would just only ever watch from the beginning to the end you know 
unlike original series or next gen where I could just pop on an episode almost any time and watch it. Yeah. So there's something, I don't know, somehow that gets more points. So <laughs> I don't know if pressed probably DS nine, but man, original series and next gen are such close seconds. Knocking on the door, Steve, anything change yeah, with you? No, not really. I, I, I pretty much right in line with uh, Brian and Adam both. I mean, it's, but it, but it is complex because it depends on how you kind of grade it. I mean, it, it's, um, Deep Space Nine, I think, I think critically, you know, is from beginning to end as a series is is the best. But um, I'm, I totally agree. There's there's certain aspects of the other, and uh, Next Gen is kind of what I I you know sort of grew up on. I I, I, I you know way too uh, young to see the original series originally, but I caught some of it in syndication, and I didn't really I I knew about it, but I didn't really fall in love with Trek with that. Next Gen is when when it became real in, in my thing so that holds a special place and the original series kind of like adam alluded to it's it, it's like it's almost like the bible or something i mean it, it you, you 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 we can critique it and we did you know mm-hmm. but it's it, it's 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 its own animal but i think i think my views are pretty much in line with brian and adam and they didn't really change throughout this yeah i have, I have a i have a hard time i flip-flop between ds9 and tng probably for the same reasons that you guys are saying where um ds9 is probably like if you want to say objectively the best series out of them, but TNG is probably the purest Star Trek experience out of all of them, I think. And I also wonder if you were just to watch DS9 without being familiar with TNG, would it is, is being familiar with TNG additive to DS9 in a way, you know what I mean? Like you have to have the baseline of TNG to really understand what DS9 is doing. That's different with the formula. Um, so I was, I yeah, was I wonder th- about there's that. There's a language there. Sure. Um, un- unlike going from the original series to next gen, next gen started this new language that, yeah, it, it I think it helps DS9 a lot. But I, th- I think you can watch TNG without being familiar with TOS and get away with it, where I don't think DS9 yeah. is really the same. Yeah. But, you know, just like a, as a percentage of incredible episodes, I don't think, well, okay, original series season three <laughs> hurts a lot, but just those first two seasons of the original series, I mean, it was just, it, it was like, uh, Michael Jackson thriller album or something like every single one was so great for so long. There's just, there's just this knocking it out of the park so many times that I'm not sure anybody else has achieved. Yeah, no, I, 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 especially season one of TOS, which is always the forgotten Star Trek series for some reason, which is uh, clearly the best first season. Yeah. I I, want to ask you, um, because you did DS9 recently, and, and you and you just said it might be the best, right? Mm. Does does it hold it back that it's standard def? I know I, I'm the guy on our podcast that complains about technical stuff all the time. But man, you know, Voyager, watching Voyager and standard def, the thought of rewatching DS9 now is painful. Well, here's my, here's my question about the DS9 production, right? They, they were familiar with TV production at the time. They know what running a signal through antenna onto a 480 you know interlaced screen is going to look like right why is ds9 half of it shot on this dark station and the other half on a cave basically like so much of ds9 is just stuck in very dark muddy images there's um yeah there's it was the, never going to look good in ntsc right it was never going to look good like um apocalypse rising which is like the opening season five episode where they go to the klingon thing there's like the Gowron as a changeling, or it's where they learn that Martok as the changeling. Um, that whole episode is indecipherable because it's just brown and red color all over the screen, and it's just it's really upsetting. DS9 would really benefit from um, the remaster. It's just it's sad that so much of it was lost, and especially because 
I love the detail of the station on DS9 that you haven't really been able to enjoy yeah. to this point. It's it's probably one of those things where, you know, they wanted the show to kind of have a darker, grittier look to it as opposed to the clean cut, um, you know, enterprise. Yeah. And then, you know, and the, and the, you know, and that's the way they wanted to make it. And then the reality is, um, you know, this is how you have to broadcast it. And there, you know, the two worlds didn't kind of meet, you know, unfortunately that happens a lot where you want to make something and then it gets changed around. So that I'm guessing that's probably what happened is that they wanted to make a darker show, but that's the only way they could broadcast it was that way so they just went that way it's the same with um quirks uh clothing on the the high def screen caps that they did for uh the documentary right where they remastered some of it quirks uh clothing is like very intricate it's very like designed and very someone obviously put a lot of time into making this thing and you can never tell it from the original (laughs) image it's the same with um you know the torchbearer in the season one of discovery where the guy the guy was on twitter who's like i spent 500 hours designing this thing and, the, and it's only in the episode for about seven seconds and then the torchbearer is gone <laughs> and it's just like well that's just such a it's such a sad turn of events that all that hard work just can't get a can't get taken for much longer than that let's say well i mean we we can uh we can kind of loosen the reins here i suppose we've done the uh the interview back and forth thing um What'd you learn about podcasting? What'd you learn about, uh, what'd you learn? What'd you, what do you enjoy about this process? What do you hate about this process? Um, things that I kind of learned about podcasting is, you know, Brian, when we first started, you know, we were talking about the early shows and kind of all the technical glitches that we, we had, um, we had early on. And I, and I've heard, I've listened to a few of those shows before too, not recently, but I can, you know, just hearing, hearing yourself and how I, I guess the best way to describe it is there's kind of like a lack of confidence in my own self starting early on. Cause I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, my, you know, I have to read the summaries. I mean, it was terrible. I was bumbling through them left and right. Not that I don't today, but I mean, I feel like I get through that kind of, I <laughs> you, feel like you I get realize through that no one stuff. else can do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of helped, you know, just on my own, just being a better out loud reader. I mean, you know, we, it's not often that you, you read out loud unless it's to your kids or that kind of thing. You know, it's not like we're all, politicians giving speeches and that kind of thing. So uh, on a personal note, it's helped me kind of read out loud better and be more confident in like, you know, making points and, you know, being confident about what you believe. Cause if you watch, you know, sometimes we, we, most of the time the three of us agree, but sometimes we do disagree and it's like, okay, this is why I feel this way or this stuff, why I don't feel this way. And, you know, being able to kind of like, um, stand you know do that kind of thing and i i think we've all kind of gotten better at that over the years you know and obviously we have a a very large comfort with each other we know we know what's going on with each other's heads but those are the kind of things i've learned and it's kind of made i believe it's made me kind of just a better person a better communicator a better storyteller all those things so it's it's been a great help in me yeah yeah steve yeah i I agree Uh, i the uh speaking along those lines I, i feel like it's it's um it's built competence because you, you, I mean, if you care at all, you want to go in and have some kind of, you know, idea of what you want to say about something. Right. And then, and then you build on the, on the past and what you brought up before. And then all that, all that experience sticks with you. And then you can uh, reference things and compare and, and it's, it's like, a, it's like some, almost like a debate class in a way that way too. You know, it's, it's how do you, how do you articulate your point? What do you have to say? And it, it it's only because, we uh we're friends and we and we love the topic really obviously it's not like this is some lucrative business or something we're doing this for you know so it's it's because of that and because i think we are all we all care about 
how we how we come across and what we want to say and that it means something to us you know so um i i it's 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 something you know i i look forward to doing you know every two weeks i, I look forward to doing it and making points and seeing what everyone else has to say and uh, and enjoy the discourse you know, and just add that you know we've never you know like i said we've done you know what close to 260 of these we've never had any kind of fight or argument you know like oh why could you you know it's we, yeah, um, you know, you think about people doing shows and the drama, but button heads. I, we've never ever butt heads on anything. We all, even when we disagree, we're all just because we just love track and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, if there's if there's one thing that listeners over the years have consistently, uh, like you know, sent me emails and stuff about that they like about our show. People have said consistently they like that we are so positive. You know, we we never just trash an episode or like you know this this sucks or we don't we don't argue with each other stuff like that which some other podcasts maybe uh, do and how dare you subtweet me on my own show yeah. like the- <laughs> well you know what this, that, that well you know we started with DS Nine because it was the show that it was my favorite at the time and wanted to mm-hmm. watch and we ended up watching the other shows in the order partially because they were coming out on. On, in high def and Blu-ray and stuff. Oh, and, is that is that why? I guess that makes that was, sense. Yeah, that was part of it. it. We got lucky with Next Gen. We were able to watch that one as the disc came out, for example. But part of it too was that I kept putting off Voyager because, I mean, I think Voyager is probably a better show than Enterprise. But I found Voyager so much more frustrating because I liked the characters so much more, and I really wanted it to be good, and I felt like it could be, and then it had issues. So I kept putting it off, especially remembering the pain of Endgame, you know, the final episode of Voyager. Mm-hmm. So I kept putting it off, putting it off, and sure enough, you know, we got to it, and we just finished it. And I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I slightly regret some of ending with Voyager because – I felt like I was impatient with it at times, especially that last season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept thinking, you know, this is not what people come to our podcast for. They don't want, you know, I, 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 I really need to hold back here. I kind of, I kind of let it go on Endgame. But, no, well, that's, but, a, that's a good, that's a good question though, because hold on one second, because I think that it's, Voyager is a podcast killer, right? There have been numerous Star Trek podcasts that Voyager <laughs> has kind of ended their career. It's the doomsday machine for it podcasts. Is, it is. It just chews you up. But I think that I think that there's something – there's only so far you can go where that's a problem and no one admits there's something fundamentally broken about Voyager, right? Like there's something, there's something wrong with the series that DS9 doesn't have that problem that they really did. And what's interesting about it is like, I'll, 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 you guys can feed off of that, but me and Clay always talk about, we had this thing when we were going through season six of DS9. Season six of DS9 is always heralded as this great season of Star Trek. It's not my favorite DS9 season, but it's very good. It has the occupation arc, has a whole bunch of stuff going on. The war is kicked off and everything. Um, DS9 season six has incredible highs and incredible lows. It's really interesting that it's like they were they were pushing so hard that they got these incredible episodes, but at the same time, they kind of ran out of gas halfway through the season, and the ending is just this slide into really awful episodes, like Time's Orphan and stuff like that. And hmm. Enterprise is different. So we're doing Enterprise now. Enterprise is straight threes. We're just in season one, but Enterprise is just a three. Every episode is just a three. It's like there's nothing particularly upsetting about Enterprise, but there's really nothing really, there's nothing so far that the show is really trying to do exceptionally. It's just kind of there. And what's interesting is whether or not 
you prefer those two experiences. And we have listeners who kind of feed back and forth. Like some people think it's a very positive thing that there are no bad episodes of Enterprise early on. And other people are more, I prefer the excitement of not knowing whether a good or bad episode is coming up. I don't know what you guys think about that. You can start with that. Go ahead, Brian, or if you want. Uh, I would rather have some amazing episodes and, and amazingly bad episodes than all threes myself. I mean, that's, you know, the opposite of, uh, of, of love is, is hate, I guess, you know, like I said, there's, um, you know, Voyager. See, I say that, but then I'm like, I, it's, it's, I, it's harder for me to imagine rewatching Voyager now than Enterprise. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the feeling. There's like antipathy with, 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 with Enterprise as opposed to Voyager when I'm just, I'm frustrated because it had so much potential and I never felt that way about Enterprise. It never disappointed me. I never expected anything more from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Adam. it's funny you're you're bringing up Enterprise. If I remember, you know, you're talking threes across the board on Enterprise. If you look back at season one of um, Next Gen, even DS Nine, on definitely Voyager. There, none of those three series had very strong opening seasons that I thought. But I thought Enterprise's opening season was solid, and you know that kind of you know that alludes to you know it's threes across the board compared to the other series. Now it, it'll be interesting to see what you think once you get into season two and three because I don't. One of those two seasons is is not great, um, and then season, season four of two. Enterprise. Yeah. I, I, yeah, season four of Enterprise. I felt like Enterprise started to get get yeah, its footing and take off. season. Yeah, yeah, it got its footing and it was starting to take off in season four, and then you know they canceled it, and we got that horrible um, series ender. So, which I, I hate worse than Endgame, by the way, Brian. So that means anything. No, that's that's. I mean, that's what it is. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you the same question, Steve. I'll just say that. Um, yeah, I I agree about the highs and the lows. Really, like if you were, if you were to objectively look at it, we keep these rankings for these things. Enterprise is probably going to come out of the TNG DS9 Voyager series as having the best average score for the first season. Right, <laughs> it's going to be the most forgettable season out of all of them at the same time. And I, you know, for TNG's maybe a long way to go, but like DS9 certainly had highs and lows. DS9 had a duet in its first season and stuff like that. TNG, move along home, yeah, move, move along, along home's home. first season. It's at least I'm more I'm more drawn to after having watched so many of these Star Trek episodes. A lot of the time that I'm approaching with Enterprise, or that I'm approaching with sort of these meandering episodes, is that why is no one trying anything with this series? And uh, I'll throw it to you, Steve, about that. Like there, where did you feel like any of the series to you? Uh, Enterprise included or any of them just had stopped trying and do you think that there's a point in the in the timeline of Star Trek where something happened I think the biggest mistake I made in my podcast was not doing a uh, air date watch through of watching the shows in order of their air date to see like how in real time these shows played out because I'd be interesting to see where the break happened, where the where the wheels kind of got tired a little bit and the tread came off a little bit because it's not there through DS9. Voyager seems to be that point. And then Enterprise is just a recovery, but it's a very small recovery, in my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, generally speaking, as you're saying, yeah, I'd rather have highs and lows than the same thing over and over again. But that's kind of, I mean, I say that, but I, I tend to be a I kind of kind of go through life as a kind of a balanced person. I really don't want a whole lot of surprises, right? But it's but yeah, in in art and in media and so on, there's got to be something there that's compelling. And 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 you know, honestly, when we throughout all of this, I had on the most for most of these things, I'd seen them often enough um, that there was no real surprise. I mean, it wasn't like I knew going in like that. I mean, there was something that just I think this is going to be awful, and it blew me away as awesome, or vice versa. There was nothing like that. I kind of knew what I was getting into because I was familiar with them already. Um, 
there, there were occasional very rare surprises. And that's, I, I love that when you watch something, it's like, oh yeah, why do I like this so much more than I used to? But, it, but, it, but that's rare. Um, as far as the arc of the whole thing, I know we, I know, of course, we just recently came off Voyager and I know we talked about definitely how in the seventh season it started feeling like it was all getting phoned in. You know, it just felt like, I, I don't know what causes that. I don't know. It depends on, I mean, there's, there's probably this phenomenon in any industry, in any job where if you feel like there's no reason to keep doing quality and you keep senioritis. Yeah. You just, it's really hard to do something new. And and, I mean, there are exceptions, but, um, that's what you, that's what you get. I mean, if there's not some threat of, uh, do something compelling or we're just going to wipe this whole thing out and start with a bunch of new people come in next time or whatever, if there's, if that's not going to happen, it's sooner or later, it's going to, it's going to be really difficult to put out some compelling, interesting product, you know? And I mean, I think seventh season of Voyager was like that, but is yeah, the, I guess that answers in. Is the sixth season of Voyager stand out? What I always notice is that TNG and DS9 had really strong sixth seasons. So their p- penultimate seasons are like really good before they kind of slide into a worse seventh season, which is, I think, the senioritis thing. But does, is Voyager's sixth season very good? Was that like, like I remember saying that I didn't realize before we started this run through. I would have that latent image was going to be my favorite. I knew it was up there, but uh, I feel like it was latent image five or six. It was those, those were the two best seasons and someone, someone to watch over me. You know, it was like, it was not the first year they got seven, but seven of nine, I mean, but like after they'd had her for a while. So that's where, you know, five and six, they certainly feel like the strongest you guys. Yeah. I agree with that. Somewhere yeah. in that zone. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Favorite, uh, I guess we'll go around real quick here. I can start. Favorite seasons for each of them. Uh, TNG season three, DS9 season four, and uh, TOS season one. We'll stick with those three just because I haven't done Voyager and we're still on Enterprise. So TOS, TNG, and uh, DS9, if you guys remember. Or just name a favorite episode out of each season, series. Um, we'll see. I'll, I'll copy off of you. I'll take, um, I'll take season three of, um, of Next Gen. Six of DS9, um, Voyager. I'm going to go with five just because that's when seven started to get a lot more interesting. Um, you know, and that character kind of drove the, the series a lot more in the second half of the series. And Enterprise, um, Enterprise season four would be my favorite season. Hmm. Original series is definitely season one. I think Next Gen might be season five for me, you know. Uh, thinking of stuff like Causing Inner Light and Darmok, those yep. are both five, right? Yep. Uh, DS9 would would probably be six. Um, yeah, Voyager's five or six. I'm not sure, something like that. <laughs> the Voyager Voyager just blends all blends together. It's, yeah. like, it's one of these later the later seven seasons. Enterprise, it's easy to say season four, but no. are you guys generally positive on the uh, Zindi arc, or kind of are you more? I, I, I love the idea of it, but it didn't really feel like. It didn't feel all that serial. I mean, it felt like it didn't even feel as serialized as the last ten episodes of DS Nine for me. Um, but uh, didn't have that Gold Ducat uh, Kai Wen storyline yeah. to propel you forward. Steve, favorite uh, favorite episode or favorite season from those series? Yeah, I, I was going into that question. I was racking my brain because some of these I had to try to remember. It's been too long since we and covered them. Years. But but I th- I think I'm pretty much in line with Brian. I think it's 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 that. It's the, the same the same ones he mentioned. I think overall, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's um, there's the standouts, and then there's just the uh, things kind of become a uh, 
popular consensus, I guess, just because they actually do line up that way. But it, it does seem to be the case that the seasons that people say are generally good are the actual ones that turn out to be pretty good. You have a lot of uh, 26 episodes a season gets a chance to water down the average or, you know, we sort of even everything out over the course of time and stuff like that. You, you know, you talking about Voyager being a, a podcast killer, you know, I mean, I really got to the point where I was feeling bad. I mean, it felt like work doing the podcast. It felt like work watching the episodes. You know, it was like, God, I, this is, and I know I I haven't listened to them. I mean, I edited them, so I've sort of listened to them, but I haven't gone back to see if there is as negative as I seem to think that we were, at least that I was, and I feel bad about that. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely was getting to the point, like, I mean, we hadn't talked about what we were going to do after, if we were going to keep going or anything but I was starting to feel like maybe we just need to take a break. I, I don't think, aside from the fact that I'm not even sure how the way we do our podcast, how we we would approach something as serialized as, as Discovery or Picard, mm. uh, aside from the fact that we haven't licked that problem, um, I, I just wasn't sure if I was ready to go on. And then it was Adam suggested, well, why don't we just why don't we just watch the movies? And I thought. That's a great idea because I can talk about movies and I can watch them and talk about them in a very different way. Yeah, it'll be. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm only have one. Nuts, so, are you are you guys going to do one movie per podcast? Yeah, and I think yeah, we we just did uh, motion picture last night actually. So that's going to take us through the rest of the calendar year, and I'm hoping by then my personal Star Trek tank is nice and recharged, and then we can figure <laughs> out where to go. But but yeah, that's what that's what Voyager did. That's what Voyager did to me. Well, it must it's, be nice. it's, it's kind of funny how it how we kind of mirrored the actually the actual show because it seemed like they the, right. all the writers and the act, they were all drained by the time in season seven. So we kind of we kind of felt the same way as um, the cast of Voyager, I think. No, I, I, we're saving up for it. It's like a Patreon goal to do the whole Voyager run through. We'll see if we actually get there, but it is closing in after Enterprise is done. Did, did you have, you did Picard as they went, right? We did Picard and Discovery. Yeah, was that difficult to talk about, to treat them as such standalone episodes? Um, no, but well, it's difficult because you it's unlike a standalone episode where you i generally remember 90 percent of what happens in a standalone star trek episode you know like you'd there's no moment where i'm going to completely forget about something that happened as long as i'm paying attention i've actually seen it and i'm able to uh, to remember it but the the thing about we can probably get into this now like the the thing about the modern trek shows is that they're pace is relentless it's relentless and i it's i i think that those shows are not good television let alone good star trek so the problem with talking about them is that it's kind of a mini thing about your voyager thing where you kind of give up like you have high hopes at the start of each season of the modern Trek, and you're like all right let's try to pay attention here let's see what's going on about halfway through you start to realize that the show doesn't know what it's doing and it doesn't have any real direction so they're just kind of throwing everything at the screen for you and when you get to the end of it, you're just kind of laughing at it, going like, this is just like, what, what's the most ridiculous thing they can do to end here? Okay, we're going to have another giant spaceship battle. That'll be fun. All right, here it is. Now let's move on. So it's it's a different style of talking about it. It's almost as if you were talking about a movie over the course of 10 podcasts, really. And it's like you go through the highs and lows of recognizing where the show is going to end up and after now that we've done three of those modern series, you know you can see the beats coming as they're coming in a very strange 
strange way for what it is. But I don't know what you guys think about it, whether or not you're going to do those series or if you have any thoughts about the actual series themselves, because you've all seen them at this point, right? So it'd be a second watch through to record them. Uh, except for Adam, who's has a very reasoned and reasonable uh, stance against CBS Hall. <laughs> so you can, buy, you can buy the DVDs, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen both seasons of, of Discovery, and I've debated, you know, in our current societal situation, I've debated just, you know, um, you know, pulling the plug and watching Picard, but I haven't quite got there yet. Because um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, so I heard a comedian make a joke, okay, I finished watching Netflix, what now? You know, so that's yeah. kind of, you know, it's kind of like, well, what do I watch? I'm like, well, Picard's on the list. I was going to wait for the DVD, but mm, should I, should I not? Um, I, I've come close a couple times, but part of, I know what you're saying about, um, you know, modern TV. It's like part of the problem that I have, part of the problem that I have with maybe starting Picard is like, you know, I, I'm really bad about binge watching. So if I like start a series, I end up staying up till six in the morning, you know, watching eight episodes. And that's kind of how, that's how the new treks are. It's just like, you got to watch them one after another and after another, there's, there's not a break or a beat like, um, like the, the series from the nineties. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I can't go up and hold Jack here. It's an interesting series because it's designed that way, but they don't air it that way. So when you're watching it in, Real time release where they're coming out one one a week. So I'm not. So real quick, I didn't watch them that way. So that's that's I've told Brian and um, Steve this. It's like it's a different experience watching them all at once for the first time. It's, yes, it's actually kind of cool because it's that's kind of how you, what you're saying. That's how they were meant to be shown. It was supposed to be. It's like a Netflix series. You know, you don't. It's not week to week. You just you binge watch. You watch four episodes until you start falling asleep, and then so I really enjoyed watching them that way in their first run i don't know if i would actually like going week to week with the new series yeah and well and i'll throw it to either brian or steve whoever wants to answer this I, because you both have seen it i'm assuming but i wonder if what adam's saying about the binge watchability of it is because the binging shows like that hides their flaws i think because if you if you let that kind of serialized storytelling which is not a negative, but the, the serialized storytelling that those modern Trek shows do, when you binge it, the flaws and the problems that you have one episode ago get washed away by all the new information that hits you. So you don't have time to really sit there and recognize where the flaws are in it. When when you're coming at it one hour a week, you can really marinate in the, the flaws of what's going on there about how like plots just are picked up and dropped on the, the, the on a whim basically it's like if you have if a character has to get to, from point a to point b we're just going to awkwardly have that character go from point a to point b there's no reason for him to do that it's a lot of that kind of stuff and i think the binge watching negates that but i don't know if what you guys think about it sorry um, did I, or whoever if, if yeah, uh, steve you wanna- well I, well, I think I think first of all, I think we we probably have different opinions on on Picard, for example. I won't get into details on it because Adam hasn't watched it yet. But sure. I, I overall I overall liked it. I don't think it's like the best thing on the planet ever, you know. And then it's got its high points and low points, but I overall liked it. Um, Discovery uh, season two is way much better than the first season. I think most people think that. But um, I, I think it's hard. I think it's one of these things that could take a little bit of time to have it all set in before we can make an opinion um, because it's it's in the grand scheme of things, it's so new. I mean, it, it's really as different from episodic Trek in the 80s and 90s as watching going to a movie was for that. You know, like if you imagine 
um, someone going to see the first Star Trek movie or the other Trek movies and they were an avid uh, Trek fan in the 60s or something. And it's like, well, this isn't Trek. Well, of course it's not Trek because it's a different it's a different form of media. It's got to come across in a different way and have different things. Now, I do think, having said that, uh, Star Trek is inherently a television show. It's a television medium. It, it, un, you know, when people compare Trek and Star Wars, it's it's ludicrous, kind of, for for any variety of reasons because they're so incredibly different. Um, but Star Wars is inherently a movie thing. Trek is inherently a TV show thing. But there are good Star Trek movies. I think there might be uh, some time we have to take to adapt to a different thing entirely that's neither episodic television nor a movie when in these shows. And I think I think there might it might take time for some of that to sink in. And like I said, I, I you know I, I know I have a different view on Picard season one than you do. Um, you can stick to Discovery because I have the same Adam seen Discovery, right? So we can, yes. we can kind of stick to that. Yeah, I mean, my, right. my my counter to your point, and you can go off of it, would just be. People have done serialized television well before. You know, it's mm-hmm. not—it's not like this show is trying to do something that I've never seen before on TV. Sure. It's—I think it's just doing a very. I, I think it's aping. I think it's trying to ape a new style that the series actually isn't very supportive of because mm. it's, a, it's a friend. It's a episodic television-based thing. Television in the sense of the '90s. I'm just. I like I love all the HBO serialized dramas. I love Mad Men and stuff like that. If I could have my druthers, I would have the new Star Trek mimic Mad Men and how it tells its stories, which is a serialized story that's kind of standalone tales in each thing. Mm-hmm. Um I just think that they're they don't Discovery is the same thing. I think that they are just it's a binge model that I don't think really suits the material all that yeah, well. I, I think I think what supports that the most are the couple of episodes that I enjoyed the most. Um, was Magic it Discovery Sweet season Daniel one? The, yeah, right. The and episode, that was yeah. the that was the most standalone. Or even Picard, you know that, and it wasn't just for the nostalgia. I liked the episode with, you know, the Riker, um, Troy. That's not a spoiler, is it? Yep. I yeah, I yeah. liked that episode a lot, you know, and I can I can remember it and talk about it better than probably just about any of the other episodes, except maybe the last one. Um. And and so that that's like uh, that's supporting this idea that there's something more to not just making it standalone, but it's still it's still inside inside the serialized story. It's just m- more modern. You know, I, I got to say, I was I was more excited when they announced Strange New Worlds than any of the other announcements because it, aside from the fact that 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 stuff looks beautiful, I love the way. Uh, Pike, you know, and I love, I think Anson Mount is the best Pike, and that's saying something because we've yeah. had some good ones. We love their uniforms. Um, I just love those. Colors. I, their uniforms yeah, are everybody. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> They're so great. I was really excited about this. And then uh, Kiva Goldsman said it was going to be a little bit more standalone, a little bit more like the older treks. But I know, I'm sure, I'm certain that it's, it's not going to be complete bottles. I mean, it's still going to be, um, you know, a more modern standalone, which is still fits inside of some kind of serialization. Yeah. So, so Wes, um, you know, kind of the the big difference that I, you know, you mentioned Mad Men and some of the HBO series. You know, you can mention Game of Thrones. That Breaking you know, Bad that, might be my favorite. Yeah, you know, Breaking Bad. But I mean, yeah. I think maybe kind of probably what what I've kind of noticed about Discovery that it's kind of missing, and I and I hate to say this because it's still in its run, so they might be able to steer the ship correctly. They're not. 
they're not so much character driven. It's more like what you were saying. It's more action and plot driven. Yeah. And that's kind of the difference between the series that went on in the nineties and the sixties where their characters are what drove the story, not the story driving the characters. And I think that's the biggest difference. Now, um, like I said, I don't, I don't know where they're going to go with discovery or, or Picard. So they might get there. So it's kind of hard for me to, to be really down on them just yet um, because, you know, they haven't completed their, you know, their story um, arc, but that's what I have noticed. It's, it's plot driven. It's not character driven in these new series. I can't say for sure about Picard, but that's what I've noticed about discovery. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's a, um, it is with the way you said it is perfect. It's just the story drives the characters of those shows around as opposed to the other way uh, around things. They have hints where that's not the case, but it kind of peters out because it, it tends to go towards a very, um, impressive ending, which can't really be supported by character work at that point. Um, well, in a way that, you know, original series, next gen, these shows did it because that's all they could do. You know, it's two guys sitting in a room talking and then cut to the same single model shot of the enterprise in the same spot. <laughs> Change the color. <laughs> you know, that, that was what they had to do. Right. But, um, they were forced to make these shows about characters and, you know, that's what we love. So let's step it. Let's step it back a little bit. I don't know if how how well you guys remember Enterprise because you did it a long time ago. But do you feel that Enterprise was Enterprise held back because it didn't embrace more modern storytelling until later in its run they attempted to? Well, I think Brian can speak to this because you know, like once they, you know, the idea. I think the idea of Enterprise was to do something very different, and then that changed very quickly. And I, I know Brian knows more about this subject than I do, and I think that's kind of where the show got lost. Yeah, well, you know, if Voyager, it was a choice they made to almost overnight get rid of this whole drama with the McKee on the ship. You know, Enterprise, maybe that choice was forced on them. We're going to have this. You know, I mean, I don't know how true it is. Brog has talked about. Uh, well, we were the first season was going to be. We weren't even going to leave Earth. We were going to be, I don't know, building the ship or something. And that what was what happens in Broken Bow is going to be the whole season. I don't know how true that is, but he says and that you know the suits forced on them. We just need them at the end of the first episode. They're on the ship. Okay, well they're going to have problems with the transporters, and you know those aren't going to be a thing. Well, that lasted, you know, I, I don't know. Just they very very quickly went back to the old tried and true hat for them of what they did on. Uh, next gen ds9 and yep. uh a voyager but i i think the sweet spot they found wasn't that season three zindi thing it was that season four manny koto thing where they did all these like you know like Mini two arc. or three episode yeah. things so they 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 amortized the, the the costs and could do stuff like you know build the defiant right that's the the totally but um do stuff like that uh but it, it's, it's not the whole season it's you know we 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 give us two or three episodes. I, I, I thought that was the sweet spot. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's a, a question of contrast. <laughs> maybe if the uh, first couple seasons had been better, um, season four wouldn't stand out so much. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I I would kind of agree with you. I, I, I think that's probably that halfway model is probably a very interesting place that they would want to go. Um, Star Trek to me always, it always strikes me with the the way that they write things is that sometimes one episode is too little but two episodes is way too much sometimes you know they they run into that problem a lot of the time with the two-parter you know on, on that note sorry to say that but i'm really surprised that, that it seems like they're going out of their way discovery and picard they've all been pretty much normal length right 
Yeah, they keep it fairly consistent. Well, that's yeah. what I don't understand. They've got all this freedom now, and the only way they choose to express it is to have somebody drop the f bomb. <laughs> Kill. <laughs> you know, I think there's. Oh, you're forgetting the swing on sex, which I, I enjoy <laughs> quite quite greatly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just surprised they haven't taken more advantage of of the freedom that not being on a network. Uh, well, have you seen? Give them. Have you seen short tracks? Yeah. Have you have uh, Adam? Have you seen and Steve? Have you seen the short tracks? Yeah, yes, I've seen yes. the Discovery one just. What'd you guys think of? What did you guys think of those? I liked them. I, I I thought they were kind of a cool, creative way to kind of fill in some gaps for some characters. Um, but yeah, for sure, you know, you kind of got some insight on the characters, and that's kind of that kind of what you were mentioning. That actually kind of slowed it down for me a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, here's what's going on with this character, or here's what's going on with this character. Um, that for whatever reason they weren't able to do in the in the season, they were able to slow it down in these little shorts. Yeah, I like. You would think it would be the opposite. You think if they're doing a short, you want to have it really fast and fast paced and action packed to hold people's attention for you know that short period of time. But yeah, they were, they were remarkably consistent. I mean, I don't think there was a, I don't think there was a bad one. They were either good or pretty damn great. Um, yeah, they um, they're they're a nice. Chain, they're a nice creative outlet. I really like the animated one, for instance. Like I think that that one kind Chikino of the one. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that one's kind of neat. And some of them strike me as less interesting. Uh, the one that's sticking out is the Ask Not, which is the one where Pike is yelling all those regulations at that girl who thinks she's under attack on the space station. Yeah, um, that, that was probably the most pedestrian. <laughs> so, I mean, outside of that, though, but I do wish that the series, because I do want the. My complaint about discovering Picard is not that the franchise is changing because I do want the franchise to change because I think it has to, we can't, the worst case scenario for Strange New Worlds is if it comes out and it's 90s Trek all over again, because then I don't know, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing at that point. Like we've, we've done this, we've done this before. By the time we're an enterprise, we're already repeating stories we've seen four times at this point. So I don't think we need to do that exactly the same thing again, but Something different, but good. It, I, like I just, I just wish that they would slow down a little bit, um, and that's really my main takeaway uh, from that kind of stuff. Um, hey, um, um, Wes, I was going to ask. Did you? Um, I know I don't think these are the two. Did you watch the Orville? I yes, we. Do. I have not seen all the Orville. I've seen some of the Orville. I remember. So I was watching Orville the, the same time that season one of Discovery came out, and I, I, I felt like that was more of a Star Trek show than than Discovery's. It was. It was kind of weird. Um, it is. It, of, he pulled. He pulled all the Star Trek producers over, basically. Yeah. So it is kind of Star Trek. Even I, cast. <laughs> yeah, he cast too with um, uh, Penny Johnson. Is that her name? The uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's my problem with the Orville is that it's so it draws like moths to the flame. These not Star Trek people who just like hate the the modern series to such an extent that they're just like, well, the Orville is. Star Trek. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it Star Trek from this point going forward, and just like exist as this. Uh, this is the only thing that I want to watch. I, I don't mind the Orville. Like Seth MacFarlane, if he actually took over a Star Trek series and was had the branding of Star Trek, would actually probably be a pretty entertaining series. I don't know if it would be good, but it would be something very uh, enjoyable about it at the same time. But at, at the the same time, you guys are getting into the movies. The best movie was made by someone who's not a fan of the franchise. You know, like. There's something to be said for having a removed person come in and do something different with it. Someone who doesn't worship the ground that the franchise walks on. Someone who's not overly familiar with it. And I think that's maybe one of the better ways forward. Uh, I, well, you know, 
You also get Nemesis doing that too. So. Yeah, that's that's true. yeah. That, that's what <laughs> oh, I was just about to say. One, you get Nemesis with Stuart Baird. Lavar Burton's character is an alien, um, but also I kind of would like to have seen whatever Brian Fuller was going to do with Discovery. You know, I I think that could have been. I I would like to have seen that, and I know he's you know he has a Star Trek background. He's a Star Trek fan, but. Yeah, they changed it, whatever he was going to be doing. They did. Although I wonder, he his other shows are also kind of the same thing where he puts it out and he, does, he doesn't really know where he wants to go with it. And then sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't for him. Um, I think that's just the op- the way that he operates as a creative. Um, I, there's still, you know, you can get into the whole nerd aspect of Discovery about whether or not any of this makes sense that he would want this prequel story to be happening at this point just because of how strange all the uh the tech is and everything his his idea of an anthology series is probably the greatest way that they could have gone with it i would have been down for each season is a different timeline that you're exposed to and it's a whole new cast and all that stuff that would have that would have been fascinating yeah uh i mean if it's a cost thing i mean it feels like they're almost doing that with um the way they're jumping around but. right with, with discovery you know, discovery had to jump forward because it just had to get out of its own way to uh to jump into the the future we, they don't have a, a start date for that yet anyway i don't think no not yet um no it sounds like it's still supposed to be 2020 but yeah i guess we'll see well, let's see here i guess we can go out with um there's some kind of star trek thing is there anything you guys want to say about star trek at this point you're looking are you looking forward to the movies Yes, yes, definitely. Um, you know, you know, we got the the best three coming up, so that's the, we got the that's uh, the next. You got three, motion you know, picture we, out of the way. You, you mean? Yeah. So we got you know we got Wrath of Khan, um, Search for Spock, and Voyage Home, and that's the the Star Trek trilogy. Um, and you know, so that'll be fun to get into. And then you know, when we get into next gen, I'm going to be like, why didn't they do a trilogy? So, but we'll have we'll have those discussions um, down the road. <laughs> Steve, you're only allowed to keep three Star Trek movies. What are they? <laughs> uh, gosh. Uh, um. Well, it, it's tough because you are, we already said trilogy there, right? But those wouldn't be the three. I, you know, I for probably a variety of different reasons. Um, everybody loves Wrath of Khan, sure. Um, and I, you know, gr- growing kind of growing up and getting into Trek with Next Gen, First Contact is still. Uh, just, I, I just love watching First Contact. I mean, I can't, I, 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 I enjoy it so much. I can't even critically say how good it is. Really, I can't. I don't think. I think it overrides it. It's, sure. it I have trouble with that. Um, Search for Spock, I think, is really good. Um, and perhaps underrated at times. Um, I don't know. Those, those are movies I talked about. So there you go. I don't know. Those would be the three. Brian, what three are you keeping? Well, yeah, it's, it's. I've always known, like most people, hate Star Trek Three. People talk about Star Trek Three like um, uh, supporting that old thing about uh, the even-numbered ones are good and the odd numbers are. Good. But uh, I love Star Trek Three, and um, I'm looking forward to after all these years of <laughs> telling our listeners I love Star Trek Three, but can't really. We're not. We're not here to talk about that. I'm looking forward to being able to um, explain why. Explain why. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're knocking, like we, we just made a joke about how crappy Nemesis is and it's true, but, uh, and I don't think it's spoilers to say the one sentence that, that 
oddly and shockingly, you know, Picard, we've talked about this already, but that Picard made, seems to have made Nemesis a little bit better, Mm. oddly, you know, and it's kind of crazy that the movie that everybody trashes is the one that they used as a jumping off point for a lot of stuff. So, you know, even the bad stuff, I guess what I'm saying, (laughs) even when Star Trek is bad, uh, it still has value and um, they can really, you know, you, you put the right person with it, somebody like uh, Kristen Bear, and they can find gold in that. Yeah. Are you guys watching the uh, the Kelvin movies as well? I well, I think we'll do the first one, and that'll be our last one because we did Into Darkness and Beyond. We actually did those when they came out. Oh, as many Into Darkness was the first thing that came out, the first new Star Trek that existed after we started our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, talk about. I've never seen a, my. That's one thing where my feelings on it have changed. I don't think I, I didn't, I didn't like super love it, but I, I think I've really gotten a lot more negative on Into Darkness in the years <laughs> since it was released. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond is excellent, though. Beyond is uh, a yeah, very, it's like, a lot of fun. Yeah. Beyond feels like a Star Trek movie. It does. Yeah. It's, Beyond's very good. My my three. Then I'll go to you, Adam. Just to I'll give you a chance to think about this. Um, it's the motion picture. Khan, and then it's Generations, strangely. Generations? I, I freely admit that First Contact is a million times better than Generations. If I want to sit and watch a TNG cast in a movie, I want to watch Generations, I think, for as, as, as average as that movie is. It's you just the love the one. Enterprise D? I, I, like, I, uh, I like the awkward costuming. I like, I, like, I like how ridiculous the whole thing is. Like the, the Nexus doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I'm really drawn into it for some reason. It I'm, just, I'm, I'm like with it. you, Wes. Yeah. I, I have a very yeah, – I'm very affectionate to Generations. I know it's not a – I wouldn't say – it's not a bad movie, but I wouldn't say it's a, it's a great movie. You know, it's, it's, it's a three. I, think it's, it's, I remember three, being, I remember I, being I really 11. I remember being 11 and it being the first movie that I walked out of the theater feeling disappointed by. I, I remember that distinctly. And which is strange because I should have been too young, but there was just something so um, almost low energy about it. But at the same time, now that I'm older, I like that low energy aspect of it. I think Generations is the best looking next gen movie by a mile. Oh, wow. I don't think any of the other ones. Um, the lighting uh, is really good. Yeah, the yeah the, sets, the colors, yeah. Um, just just gen- the composition, even uh, the way they use the frame. That the generation is the only good looking next gen movie. No, oh, interesting. Bold, yeah, bold yeah. choice. Uh, that's why I like the motion picture too, just because I know it's I can, I can I could admire it not being a very good movie, but I also admire how strange that movie is for a Star Trek movie. Um, so morose, so sad. Kirk is like suicidal in it. Everything is just so fascinating about that movie. <laughs> Adam, what are your three? What are my top three? Um, um, I'll go. I'll go. Con, Wrath of Khan. We'll do Star Trek three, and why don't you know? I'll throw in six. Star Trek six. Oh wow! All original Always. series. Movie Kirk. So I guess Adam's Kirk. not going to be disagreeing with me. <laughs> I'm always, we almost always agree, but I think my most interesting discussions are when we have disagreed. Yeah. Yeah. So when we do talk about episode, um, um, the search for Spock, it'll, it'll probably be an easy podcast for Stephen and I because Brian loves that. We love his, yeah, he goes on his monologues, but I mean, they're fun. So, <laughs> I mean, so, so um, he even warned us before Endgame. 
Um, you know, so so it'll be nice for three. It'll be a nice loving. Oh, yeah. You haven't. Li- I'm sure you haven't listened to my. I when I cut the, that podcast, I took out some. <laughs> I, I even called the writers some names. I took that out. <laughs> I cut that out. But he, he warned. He warned us before Endgame. He like he like warned us like going into season seven. He's like, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go off on Endgame, and so like Steve and I just kind of just sat back and, and let him go. So yeah, you know, you, uh, yeah, you get you get you a drink and a snack and kind of <laughs> you know, lounge out and just listen. So, so it, it'll be a loving rant reboot the do, computer um, yeah it'll be a loving rant when we do search for spock because it, it is an excellent movie i mean it, it really is it hits all the notes i mean you well, can almost you know it's, it, it's it's perfect because you, you can argue that it's the ugliest of all the star trek movies yes uh yes, one is just starting out it looks so cheap like i wish they'd gone on location all that kind of stuff but if the thing that i love so much is are the characters and these fam and the family and being with these characters and believing in their love for each other and the family. This is exactly for this, the same exact reason that I love Star Trek three is the same. It's the same reason that I hate Endgame, <laughs> mm. right? Yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of high, there's there's probably more high drama in three maybe than even Khan. You know, it's just there's so much. You Klingon bastards! You've killed yeah. my son. Yeah, I mean, inter- yeah, I mean, it's spoilers. It's, it's great. <laughs> You, you don't. I don't think you get any drop kicks in Wrath of Khan. You get a lot of drop kicks in, uh, in Search for Spock. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. Yes, Spock, Spock is. Um, I'm alone on the island. Spock is one of my least favorite of the movies. Actually, um, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I just remember really, really not enjoying that one. No, I, I get it. I mean, it, it, most people feel that way. Uh, if I recall correctly, it's probably the only Star Trek film that that's that was ever noted. Um, in the president's diaries, I think Reagan we watched Star Trek three. It wasn't too good. You know, most people. Yeah. You know, Cause it doesn't really have Spock in it. The movie's about Spock. But see, it's not I, really yeah, I, for me, Spock is more in Star Trek three than any other movie. Mm. But yeah, I mean, people don't get to we'll see get there, him. We'll yeah. But yeah, yeah. The, the movie is about Spock, but he's not in it. That's, that's the trick that maybe some people don't get. But Hey, this is the great thing. All these episodes of Star Trek, all these years we've been talking about it. There, there's something for everybody. There really is, you know. That's that's awesome. So let's close this out with what's your favorite kind of Star Trek episode? Does anyone want to go first? If anyone has an idea, you know, there's nothing too specific I'm looking for here. I, I guess I can go first just to sort of uh, give you time to think about it. I um, if I were just to pick a random Star Trek episode that I would want to watch, I really love the mystery episodes, um, even when they're not particularly good. But I love things like um, Conundrum in TNG and Clues is a good one on TNG. Uh, even stuff like, is it Whispers in early DS9, the one where O'Brien has a clone or he is a clone walking around thinking that everyone is conspiring against him. Um, I really like those uh, episodes for whatever reason. Um, they're always the ones that I can just kind of turn to every now and then, even even after I've watched them a hundred times and I know what the uh, the solution is to everything. I just, I like... I like the versatility of the franchise that it can do things like that. I, I don't think it would be a, a surprise for anybody with me. I mean, it's it's probably pretty, um, uh, well, the kind of stuff a lot of people would say. I, I like the acting tour de force, something like Duet in DS9. That's up there. But um, those those huge episodes that span space and time, you know, stuff like City on the Edge of Forever uh, or um, The Visitor, The Inner Light, I, I understand why, you know, some people think over uh, the inner light is overrated. Absolutely, but those are the kind of things that it doesn't matter how many time I watch, how many times I watch them, I get goosebumps. I, I, I've seen Star Trek two. Uh, 
I'm sure I've seen that more than any other movie. I'm sure I've seen it hundreds of times. And I still, I still cry when Spock dies. You know, there, 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 I have this, there's a connection to those characters. And when I see them, like in The Visitor, when I see him, him age and, you know, make this ultimate sacrifice for his father. Yeah, it gets me every time. And, it is. You know, it, I guess it's not very Star Trekky, but that's that's the best for me. No, co-host Clay oh. always says that uh, City on the Edge is not the best episode of TOS because Balance of Terror is, because Balance of Terror is actually a Star Trek episode, and City on the Edge is not a Star Trek episode. That's his take, his perspective, which I uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I would understand. agree with that. You know, yeah. if I, uh, objectively, Doom uh, Doomsday Machine is probably yeah, my favorite yeah. episode of the original series. But then that one feels like a Star Trek episode in the way that um, City doesn't. Yep. But, you know. Adam? I could watch City forever. (laughs) Well, I I totally agree with with Brian about The Visitor and, you know, those type of episodes. But I'll kind of go another way so we can diversify it a little bit. Um, I'll go into Next Gen. I I really love the the Q arc in Next Gen, you know. The the um, far point definitely had its problems, but it set up this um, story arc that we you know we hadn't seen in Star Trek before, and it really wasn't even in a lot of shows at that time. And um, you know you have some great episodes with Q, and you know just the the how it made Picard grow, and you get to the final episode, and it's just it's about the the inner the inner journey, you know, the, the journey of the mind and the spirit as opposed to the stars. And I really enjoyed those episodes and, um, you know, cause I kind of feel like they kind of expand you into, you know, kind of opens up the box and it kind of expands you out into thinking differently. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I don't know if anyone's ever said the Q, the Q uh, arc is like been their, their most favorite. It's, it's fast. I mean, he's, he's, it's one of those weird things where the character annoys me to a point where I, it knocks me away from like how vital he was to the series in a lot of ways. Like even um, Q who was like a, a fix for the series in a lot of ways where it knocked Picard off of this it knocked the entire cast of characters off of this lecturing aliens who they run into about why humanity is so great, um, which was like very important for it. And it is obviously all due to Q, but uh, Steve, yours, your favorite kind of Star Trek episode. Well, I'm going to be boring and probably go along the lines of these kinds of episodes like Inner Light and Visitor, but I, I would say that – or City on the Edge of Forever. But the thing is I, I don't think they would be half the quality if it wasn't for all the rest of it because it, it's not – they're not just – I mean if you, if you try to tell that story with a whole bunch of strangers or something you know, in some kind of just one-off sci-fi show, it wouldn't have nearly the impact that, that the fact that it's that kind of show – with the characters we love. I mean, I think, I think Trek's impact and we've alluded to this has to do with characters and character development. And these, these characters you come to, you know, really adore and care about, and you care about their relationship with each other. And when you have these very rare occasions where they tell a story in a way that hasn't been told before in, and that has universal truths and spans space and time and, and ideally maybe digs into the psyche of one character and what motivates them. It's huge but only because we care so much about those characters and it, and it makes it so much more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's the other thing about episodes like that, you know, I, I duet's amazing, but you could do two, you could do duet on a, a, not a star Trek or not a sci-fi show, but something like, you know, like the visitor or city, you know, 
those can only happen on Star Trek. Yeah, the sci- this, yeah the uh, the sci fi angle the most the most Star Trekiest. I always say the Darmok is the most Star Trekiest Star Trek episode. It's like if pretty much if someone was like, "What is Star Trek about?" I think I'd show them Darmok uh, to be that mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Well, guys, thanks for coming on to talk about Star Trek. Good guy. Congrats on finishing 10 years of a journey here, which is um, impressive also because I guess you guys are slightly a slower pace. You do three episodes every two weeks and we do four every two weeks, I suppose. So it's like it's a um, it's interesting to see the 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 pace. I don't know if you guys follow Mission Log, but Mission Log is just like so um, dedicated to the one episode a week thing that it's just like you can you can see the timeline stretching out in front of you yeah like yeah no good way to yeah. get through this at all um, we started off with four. Oh, did we, you we did ds we did four for ds9 and then that was just too much work yeah that's <laughs> so then of- we switched to three episodes every two weeks and and uh, if we keep going after the movies you know if we were to address ds discovery or picard we might even even slow down more i'm not sure yeah, that's why the uh, the movies will be good for you because you won't be confusing the episode with it's like oh no wait that happens in the next episode that's not this is not the yeah. one where Picard happens yeah. to that we because we used to record multiple ones at a time and I just got too confused when you're when you're trying to cram them in like at eleven o'clock at night the night before you're supposed to record and you're like <laughs> I can't I can't make it through this I just have to I just have to absorb this and remember all right I guess we're done here talking about the Star Trek. Congrats, guys, on ten years. It is an accomplishment. It's uh, thank you. It's amazing to get through all the all these things. Um, there's so many episodes of Star Trek, and you guys now have a um, a claim to having a, a better opinion than 99 percent of the people. <laughs> <out there. laughs> Otherwise, you're just making stuff up. That's the other thing that I've learned about this is that um, if I haven't seen the episode in about a year, I don't trust my opinion on it anymore. <laughs> So it's it's one of those things. You have to go back and refresh yourselves. All right, guys. Thanks very much for coming on. Do you, uh, you want you. to plug the, uh, the show, Trek Companion, where people can find you, all that stuff? Uh, uh, TrekCompanion.com will take you to our, our kind of generic Podbean page. But you can find Trek Companion, you know, um, in your podcast app. And yeah. Subscribe, listen, download. I know. I have Podbean as well. It served me fairly well. But I, I don't know what else I'm looking for in a podcast host, I suppose, at this point. I'm just happy with what they give me. Check them out at uh, Trek Companion. You can find them on all the podcast apps and everything like that. Well, thank you very much, Adam, Brian, and Steve, for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, I guess that's it. We'll uh, we'll be back with Enterprise is continuing as normal. And then uh, we're going to keep going through the season one to see where Enterprise ends up. And uh, we'll see if it actually does come out to be the highest rated average series out of all the first seasons of everything else. <laughs> but... Then we got season two straight ahead of us. All right, guys. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time.